Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and I am the founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode was recorded in July 2019 and is a discussion with Rob Bowe, a consultant, author, and Microsoft MVP. Once again, I'm here with Rob Bogue talking about uh, kind of, uh, well, I guess this is an ongoing topic for us, but uh, talking about- Just a decade. Yeah. <laughs> this is a popular topic. Well, why don't, why don't you kind of kick this things off from our last conversation? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we talked about was uh, SharePoint Shepherd's Guide, which uh, we're super happy about the fact that we're the only- uh, content provider that has content all the way back to 2007 and it's not terribly relevant now but it's really neat to have that kind of heritage well there's still there's a, there's a lot i'm always amazed by this when there's surveys done looking at sharepoint uh, organizations using sharepoint and the question is you know what version versions using? And, yeah. and, and it's like the the i think the average is like two and a half versions so that there are some yeah. people that have three versions of sharepoint running and it might be that they have some there's still some 2007 that's out there. Don't hear people saying that much. Yes, I'm running 2003 or 2001, you know, but there's still some 2007, a lot of 2010 that's still out there. And of course, later versions. And then what's more common now is that we're, we're running Office 365. So SharePoint Online and this other instance of, of on-prem. Right. We've got, so, so what I see is we have something on-prem. We developed something on-prem. And it's super useful for the organization. We still need it, but we can't upgrade it to the cloud because there's no path to take that code to the cloud. Um, and so organizations are holding on to a farm locally. Uh, sometimes they'll hold on to 2010 farm, mostly that's gone, um, but they're taking the code that was built in 2007 or 2010 and they're rolling it through. And you know, so they might be running 2013 or 2016 or 2019 on-prem, but they're doing that because they've got custom apps uh, and sometimes, and, and sometimes they, they want to get the search benefits and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah. Well, most, so, most of it is. I mean, just it, it makes perfect sense. Is that if you've made, uh, you've made investments in that platform, yeah. you need to uh, get your value out of those previous investments before you go spend new money. So that's right. Like, yeah. Like project management one hundred and one. Yeah. 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 So, but on the topic of this though, of you know adoption and engagement, that side of it. And I think we're, we, we had talked about previously, we certainly talked about plenty, but the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, the vast majority, you go to any SharePoint event, any, you know, collaboration, like, uh, you know, knowledge management related event, and it's talking about predominantly technology. It's IT pro is probably yep. the biggest category, a lot of dev topics, and there yep. were very few end user focused uh, uh, sessions. Now you go to the events and my impression is that it's, you know, about 50% of it is end user focused. But even in more technical sessions, they'll cover some of the softer skill, you know, you know topics around that subject matter. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's an evolution, right? Because one of the things that has happened is we had the consumerization of IT kind of happen around us. And so people are used to, well, if you don't solve my problem, I'm going to go outside and buy, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, um, and just pick something slack, right? Um, and so 
I think IT departments internally are starting to say, oh my gosh, if I'm not responsive to my internal constituents, to my users, then I'm going to have them go end around on me. Uh, so I think it, I think it happens. I, I think that I'm still intrigued uh, by the level at which those conversations happen. Um, and I, you know, and I forget that there's always a new set of folks coming into the market. There's always people coming in who haven't done this before. And they're like for the first time discovering, hey, we should communicate with people before we make the change. I'm like, yeah, that was in the 101 class. You may have missed that a decade back. Um, but I'm, but I'm excited to hear that people are paying more attention. They're more concerned about it. I think the other thing that's interesting as a trend is uh, citizen developer, what we used to call uh, business unit IT, uh, where we're trying to enable the end users to create their own solutions. Uh, and I've always said that's the heart of adoption. If you get some people building solutions on your platform, then you'll pull the rest of the folks along because they want to use the targeted solution that the guy in transportation built to manage bad shipments, right? Um, and so it's it's cool that we're starting to see more of those conversations happening. Um, I just wish they were happening at kind of a uh, a broader and more consistent level. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting some of the the shift around. As you're right, I, I think what where we are the maturity of uh, certainly within the SharePoint Office 365 space. I think this is true across a number of other communities as well, but you know, within this world um, that uh, there's a certain maturity of those platforms where we now see broader adoption of these technologies. And so we've just gotten to the place where the people that are in, uh, you know, IT running the, the systems, running the services, generally understand how the technology works, which switches to, to flip to the toggles to turn. Um, and so it's now where organizations are saying it's not enough for us to cut for IT for you to tell me that the servers are all running smoothly. We expect them to run smoothly now. Uh, and but now we have to look and say, why is it that only 27% of our employees are logging into the environment uh, at, you know, at least once a month? Right. Why is that so dismally low? And and what is that what more importantly is you know, what are the business outcomes of our people not sharing information, not collaborating through these tools? Not to say that they, because here, here's another, I'll just throw this in there. The wrinkle there is just because they're not in there in Office 365 or SharePoint, there's somebody in the background there. That would be my daughter, Rachel. Um, she is hydrating me. Oh, it's good. It's important to be hydrated. It's important to be hydrated. Yes. Um, but it's uh, you know, the the fact that they, it may be happening that collaboration may be happening happening elsewhere. The, but there's there's problems inherent with that if people are, are divided between different tools, different systems, different methods, um, then you have these silos of information, and it just kind of complicates um, some of the things. You, you're not going to get the efficiencies of scale. Not to say you shouldn't be using, you know, maybe the right number of tools in your organization is 12 or 20, right. but um, not 50, you know, the, the, the shadow IT, everybody kind of doing their own thing, their own way, data all over the place. But it's, you know, so attribution, uh, awareness of those, 
you know, attribution across those different applications, awareness of what is being used, how it's being managed. It's an important, it's important from a, a governance standpoint, from a compliance and security standpoint, to be aware of those different pieces. Give people the liberty to collaborate in the ways that they're most effective, that are going to meet their unique uh, uh, business needs, but yeah. it needs to be done in a responsible way. Yeah, and I think um, where we see IT departments uh, are put in a position of having to be enforcers, and it happens, is when the internal customers are doing things on platforms which are not secure. Um, and so you're taking corporate data, whether it's just sensitive, confidential, or in some cases it's a record that the business is required from a legislative point of view to maintain, um, and people are going outside. And so what we see is, hey, nobody's using this. Where are they going? They find they're, you know, they're on uh, wedoprojectmanagement.com or whatever, um, and IT is forced to pull that back. And of course, nobody likes to be the bad guy, but it, it, it has to happen sometimes. But so, but what's Rob? I mean, the, what what's the? I mean, the, the, to sit and we could talk about. You know, the, the data this is what we've seen, the experiences around that. I mean, the, the natural question then is, is like, well, what is the right way then to go in and start to corral all of this in together? What's the right way to have conversations within your organization with people that have gone astray, that have gone to, you know, the, these third-party tools or services that may not be secure and compliant with our policies? Right. Yeah, so let me take a step back, though. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, because you're, you're, you're right on the right topic, but... The, what, we, what I typically have to do with clients to help get them to the spot where they need to be is I have to go, let's take a step back. You tell me what you think governance is, right? And, and, and I know you know this, but, but governance is not control. First of all, control is an illusion. You don't actually ever have control for real. So, but People who but, think differently don't have kids. Um, <laughs> right, right. Or if... Or they have never been to Vegas and said, oh, I control which thing is going to come up on the roulette wheel. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so th there's this association that governance is control. Governance is not control. Governance, rooted Latin and Greek, is actually steer, as in rudder on a ship. So when I start to talk to folks about corporate governance, I start to talk about what are corporate responsibilities for governance and so on and so forth. I, I talk about what we're doing is we're steering. So when you have people that are outliers, yeah, you got to deal with them and bring them back into the fold. But our goal is to steer. And once I have that down, then I can come to, okay, so we're trying to guide them. How are you trying to guide them? Are you putting guardrails up to prevent them from going outside the, 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 the fence, the place that they need to be safe? That's one option. That's one thing you can do. The other thing is you could hand them a map and say, here are the kinds of things you want to do, and we've enabled you to do those in this column, and here's a different thing, and it's in this column, right? And over here is this list, and in that list, that's the list of we don't know, but come see us, and we're not going to bite your head off. We, there's a business reason for what you want to do, great, and we're going to go enable you to do that in a way that's secure and compliant. And so I have to I have to fundamentally change the way that people see governance to start because I would say 80 or 90% of the folks that get themselves sideways see it as control right. rather than steering. You know, there's four images that I, when I 
talk about Presenton uh, that I've, I've used for years. I really like them for the visual uh, impact of them. I think it's right. Like the first thing I do is I show a picture of a person that's in a home that's a hoarder. Yeah. And chaos that's around there. And then the next shot, I said, this is our, most of our information governance and we just collect, 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 and we pile it up and we don't know what's actually there. We're pretty sure four years ago, we put this information, shoved it in this room and let's go dig for it now. And then the next one is this perfectly organized closet, you yeah. know, that's the, that you see just in pictures. There's a closet professional came. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the, those are the first two. The, the, the next image that I show is of two ranch hands with all the cattle all around them. Yeah. That, that guidance. And, and then the third one that I show is of a planned, so it's a digital you know, outline of a city. Yep. And the zones. Uh, and cause I think that's a great way of, uh, of doing that. Like I'm, I'm, we've zoned certain properties to be, you know, R4, R8, commercial, whatever those things are. And, uh, you know, internationally, so that, you know, four, four homes per acre versus eight homes, more right. you know, high capacity or, or MDUs, multi-dwelling units or commercial, right. of course. And you set up those zones, but within that, and then there are city and county ordinances for what you can build and how, and, and some right. neighborhoods will say all houses must, 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 uh, must be painted blue you know, whatever. Um, but you know, you then as the planner, you put this together and say, here's how these things all work together. And I think all three of those, um, outline in my mind, what governance is it's uh, taking the chaos, organizing it, cleaning it up. And and so that it's, you can find what you need in that closet. It is that guiding thing where, each of these animals, they, these beasts have a mind of their own and you're trying to get them moving in the right direction to where we need to go. And the third one is the, the plan, having a plan out there, a vision of what it can be and should be. But of course, you then adjust based on the rules and regulations, the laws that must be adhered to. But people do have creative control within those 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 guide rails Spaces. yeah 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 that's that's what i say we, we we i try i try to use the guardrail um analogy with folks because it sort of makes sense to them is look when you stay between these two bars right if you if you are left of this and right of that then you're good i'm not going to talk to you if you're in a boundary zone kind of like a demilitarized zone mm-hmm. you're still okay i'm, I'm going to let you live out there um but you're going to talk to me every once in a while because that's that's an area that is not super safe. It's just safe enough for you to behave most of the time. Uh, and then you've got stuff that, hey, look, you're out of bounds. We we cannot support you out there because, um, you know, whatever it is, there's an FDA regulation that you can't comply with if you do that, or there's HIPAA or GDPR or whatever it is. Um, and and I think I think you're right about uh, localized control. Right. So one of the things that we talk about when we build information architectures for folks is for the intranet, for the poor intranet, that we build navigation, we build taxonomy, we build structure. And we do that because we have to have consistency at that level. Uh, And a lot of clients will come back to me and they're like, I want a departmental site and I want a cookie cutter and a stamp and I could stamp out departmental sites. And I'm like, no, like I'll give you a framework, right? Like you, I'll set zones and whatever. Um, But what they do to collaborate internal is a part of 
their unique microculture inside their department and and giving them that space and giving them a, an opportunity to do what they want means fewer of them eject themselves out of the environment because we've made it too restrictive i was talking to uh, a customer the other day a new customer and they came from very large organizations they came from uh pharma and they said we went to alfresco i'm like why'd you do that Right. And if there are a fresco people listening, sorry, but like, I'm like, why would you do that? And the answer was we hated SharePoint. And I'm like, well, why'd you hate SharePoint? Cause we couldn't do anything. Oh. And he says, but what you've shown us is well, we, we didn't actually hate SharePoint. We actually hated the way that quote unquote governance was implemented in the large organization. Right. right? And so I think, I think your, your, your point about, how do we how do we create the map? How do we allow exceptions? How do we give people space to move around? I think that's all a part of how do you accomplish governance and utilization at the same time? How do you get engagement and right. and, and 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 governance at the same time? There's a so uh, there's a gentleman that was in my uh, when I went to business school. Um, so I did an MBA in technology management and had some some brilliant people that were in the, the classroom with me. And there was this one guy who worked uh, in the pharmaceutical world there in the uh, in the Bay Area, and older guy actually was the, the had the white beard. Um, so every once in a while, I would say something really wise, and just in the really butcher paraphrase, you know what what he said. But he said talking about governance, and I think it was actually in our operational management class where he made the statement where he said, you know, governance are rules to live by, not rules to die by. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we got more in depth into that. And, and my, the, I have a version of that where I say, uh, it's a, um, uh, well, in fact, I think we talked about this last time. I can't remember. I've said it a few times last week, um, where it's, uh, like in, when I used to build out uh, PMOs, so project management organizations, and build PM and, and analysts, business analyst teams, and, and centers of excellence around those, those things. And I used to always say that um, because I, a couple places that I worked um, as a consultant, I, would, I got budget for, fought for, to pay for uh, uh, PMP certification for anybody that would want to go through that if they yep. passed the test. I wouldn't, we wouldn't cover if they didn't fit, if they failed right. the test, if they had to retest, um, we'd pay for the initial one, the bigger cost right. around that. Right. We'd pay for that. And I had, you know, somebody asked me, it's like, well, why didn't you go through this? I'm like, cause I went and spent 27 months working to earn my MBA. Don't think I need to go get you know, a PMP certification. But I would always say that I said, you know, it's great that you went through and did that. It's fantastic. A lot of tools in your tool belt around that. And I said, that I, I never want you to see you ever trying to implement 100% of what you learned. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah. Because the most important lesson is, uh, you know, about that is to apply what's necessary at the time, not just going down. Because we both, we've seen these people yep. that have their templates and have their, and yep. they're going down the methodology and the checklist. I mean, I'll, I'll share a little insight. When one of the acquisitions I went through, uh, SharePoint ISV a few years back, we got bought by this company that they had within the sales organization, they had a few people that scuttled sales because they insisted on following this methodology where they had 
the strength of the relationship of some salespeople where they went to the clients and said, hey, we were acquired by, we now have these new products that, that we also represent that we didn't have before. And based on the relation, and, and so the salespeople are like, like, you need this other product. Right. And, and, I, and I know these salespeople and they're, they're good people. They weren't just selling something because they could. They understood right. that these clients actually could use this new product. And, yep. and so sight unseen, some of these clients were like, let's do it. I trust you. Um, yep. I'll, I'll name names here. That's like, uh, so I think Brad Chase was one of them. Um, so John Santarelli, these are like salespeople. If they ever hear this, you know, people that know them know, I mean, they're right. highly trusted because great yeah. folks. And um, that you had some of the new company salespeople who were like, no, they must go through this formal review process. Like, you've got a client saying, yes, I'll buy it. I'll write a check because yeah. of the relationship. And we know we, we trust what they've done right for us uh, historically. And that they were just, they go. And so that, that's just an example of people that are uh, dying by the governance process yep. rather than applying what makes sense to the situation. Yeah, we, so I think we've done a lot of great things with our education. And I think uh, PMP certification, the PMBOK, what PMI has done, right? Like I happen to know that space fairly well myself. And all that stuff is great. The problem is somewhere along the line in, in academia and in all these organizations, we lost some of the fundamentals, right? When we like go back four generations, right? And the way that stuff was done is it was trades and you started out as an apprentice and that meant you were following. You did whatever they told you for as long as they told you the way they told you, right? And you learned the basics, right? Like Mr. Miyagi, sand the deck kind of thing, but you did that. And then at some point you become a journeyman. And what, what a journeyman really meant was is that you're fluent, right? You, you, you can do all the basics and you can assemble from existing recipes. And then once you did that, once you got to that level, right? At some point you could become a master. And when, when you got, became a master, you no longer had to pay any attention to recipes. Recipes didn't matter anymore because you knew all the fundamentals, you knew all the principles, you knew everything. And Rob, you could we need to put it in, in language that, that the kids understand. This is, it's the master builder now. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so it's, it's these people who were really, who, who could figure it out. Like, right. and in those last two, um, you, you can have a cook follow a recipe, they're a journeyman. They can follow a recipe. Or you can have a chef who is a master. They don't need a recipe. You tell them you want salmon, you want it to taste something like this, they'll figure it out. Yep. Um, and so it's kind of, it, it's kind of like that. And, and you remember, so this is going to really screw up all the, all, all the millennials. Is, so the old Star Trek, right? The old one was Scotty, yep. right? And you remember Scotty, like he didn't follow the rules. He's like, no, you're not supposed to do this, but eh, it'll work, right? Because he knew. And, and, and so I think with, you know, you're talking about PMP and you're talking about. Again, I'll put it, can people. I just, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you're good. The young kids, like Ray did with the Millennium Falcon, was able to. There go you go. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the current reference. Um, <laughs> feeling uncurrent right now. Yeah. Um, but so we, so what, what happens, particularly when somebody's new to governance, right, is they go, nope, the rule's the rule. You're outside the rule and we can't do the rule rather than saying, you know what, there's this space outside where the rule is, which can still be okay, 
we just didn't know it was going to be okay in the abstract condition. Um, and, I, and I think that we, uh, if we readopt governance from a point of view of enabling the business first and 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 coupled with that maintaining our legal reliability and then kind of lastly which is how do we make sure that the costs are in line well if it's doing lots of business value the costs will always be in line right like you just that you don't get those upside down well yeah the the uh i mean so i so i completely understand your point from a governance standpoint from the business perspective you have the governance you have your uh, the, the, the regulations, the, so the, the compliance, yep. the security, those components, the constraints yep. identified, mm-hmm. the requirements, and you, the, the business outcome. Where we kind of started the conversation is, is, is the other danger of those is to be conscious of and aware of, okay, here's what the capability is of the system. Here's what the business actually needs. Here are the yep. constraints that are over there. And an afterthought is, oh, and why don't we have end users on there using that? Yeah. So overcome, over you know, and yep. bogged down in those things and the management of those, and forget that um, there's a reason why they're going around IT and they're breaking the rules is because right. they're not able to accomplish what they need done. Now, right. having said that, I mean, there's a lot of things that there's, you know, when you typically go in and you find that somebody is subverting the IT process and going and they've paid with their own personal credit card for some IT service and they're doing something and it's, it's slowly kind of creeping into mm-hmm. your organization. Um, it, that shadow IT effort, um, it, there's legitimate reasons that are behind it. Um, yep. One of it may be that they used it at their previous company and it was really effective and they're just, they're used to it. Um, right. they're, uh, that's usually coupled with the, they're unaware that they can do the exact same thing, sometimes with more functionality with the systems that are in place. They just, it's an education issue around that. Um, so, you know, it, it, you, um, I, so I, I usually have, I've got a slide where I talk about, um, you know, cause it's kind of like the three buckets of technology process and people. And, that's how most organizations, in those that are trying to be very conscientious in their governance and the thinking about all of those things, they still look at it from a technology process people standpoint. Yeah. When the reality is it should be people then process and finally the technology. Absolutely. And I know I said this last time, but I, I'm pretty sure I did, is that I mean, I, we've both seen examples of organizations that were on ancient outdated technology but were highly efficient and effective because the people were collaborative they they worked well together it just it worked and it it supported the process or they had manual go workarounds for the the, the lack of the the technology yep. and equally we've seen beautiful perfectly architected technology that if it doesn't have the integration with the process and if it doesn't, if the people aren't brought along, it doesn't matter how new and perfect and whether it does on paper meet all of the requirements, it doesn't matter. The people aren't there. It's a failure. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it, as you're talking, one of the things that came to mind was this, this uh, customer, very large customer. Uh, and I was working with a department, which is a collection of departments really. And we were talking about their service catalog. And it was really kind of funny because 
you know, for them, the service catalog is the steps they take, right? Oh, I provision an account, I enable blah, 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 whatever. And so they were, I was trying to talk to them about how do you do service catalog? And they, they gave me back this big long list of stuff they do. And I'm like, that's not your service catalog. That's what you do. And they looked at me kind of funny. I'm like, no, what you do is you enable access to resources, right? That's what the customer wants. They want access to resources or they want a secure blah, blah, blah. Or they want like, they don't want um, uh, an SSL certificate, right? They want, um, they want a secure website. And so we've got a lot of this kind of backwards from an IT perspective where it's like, oh, well the technology SSL certificate, that's what we're gonna do. And the process for issuing it is blah, blah, blah. And, and then, oh, by the way, there's probably some people that are care about this and I'm not really sure. Um, but, but, it's, but it's what happens in cor large corporations when you get very focused on these are the steps we take, these are the technologies we work with. Uh, and extracting that's hard. I know that you, you and I both work really hard to get people to stop calling SharePoint SharePoint, right? If their internet is their internet, if it's like, it should be branded. I don't, why does it need to be SharePoint? I don't want them to know, right? right? They, they have to know it's OneDrive because that little icon pops up, but, but they don't need to know it's SharePoint behind the scenes. As long as it does what they want, why do they care? Yeah, that, well, that's the the. There's a larger conversation around some of the the, the branding of the different uh, the the products and like like Teams. I mean, it's the same problem. It's it, a Teams team. It, it's a you know Teams team. Yeah. So my team uses Teams and builds Teams and Teams. Yeah. Activities. You know, but uh, uh, my my way back thing because I'm apparently doing the old guy routine this time is when we when SharePoint 2007 first came out. And the developers are all happy. I'm like, yeah, what you do is you put your feature feature in the solution solution. And they look at me like, what? I'm like, no, they call the capital F feature that you put your lowercase f feature of your product or your, your solution in. And that lowercase solution that you created goes in a capital S solution file, which is also a WSP. And I don't know why it's a WSP. Maybe but, that's what we need to do is refer to that as a lowercase team and a capital T or the uppercase. Yeah. Team. Yeah. This is, a, this is the capital T. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but with, with all of that, it, it's uh, so going back from the from adoption engagement that standpoint. So my uh, the the broader point around that is that you yep. you uh, with all of those things to think about, um, you you still have to remember that everything that you're doing needs to support end users accomplishing their work tasks and work activities. Yes, and if they're so bogged down at trying to understand how where where to go and to request something to get to, to what they need to do to be able to share in a safe, re reliable, compliant way, uh, collaborate across uh, you know whether it's across a hallway, uh, across the uh, a country or around the world with partners that are, you know inside and outside of the organization, um, I it it has to be fairly easy for me to go and to enable that kind of, uh, you know, collaboration. I, I, so it's, yeah. Anyway, it's a, I don't know. There's a, a lot more we could dive into in, in this stuff. We've got just a couple more minutes of time here, but uh, you know, I, so as part of your process, when you go, let's get back to that part. When you're going in working with clients around this and you started by talking about the governance aspect of that. Yep. Part of that same conversation, how do you then get into to understand 
where there may be breakdowns in how they're looking at the end user proposition. Yeah, and it's 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 very much about how do I how do I encourage the end user to go down the path I want to go, right? So we're steering them. Well, I can give them a map. I can show them where to go. Um, you know, I really believe I really believe in training that's not training because I don't want you to go through hour long things. I mean, we do that, and and there are reasons for that. But for the end users, it's all about how do you meet them at the point that they're at and enable their behaviors, right? So whether that is I want to create a new team. Now, I don't believe that you should leave that open. I actually believe that you should put a gated process in front of it. Um, there are people that disagree with that, but but I've seen this sprawl, and it's worse from an end user experience perspective on the back end. Um, but it's a lot about how do I enable that process and make the make it seamless. How do I remove the friction that is unnecessary and keep the friction which is necessary. People think all friction is bad. Friction isn't bad. If, if we didn't have any friction, your car wouldn't drive. It's the friction of tires on pavement that allows your car to go. So how do we keep the right friction and how do we get rid of the other friction? Um, a, lot of that's, a lot of that is user education. But when I say that, people think training, and I don't always mean training. Right. Um, you know, we started, I started talking about the, the Shepherd's Guide, and we do those as two-minute videos because they're searchable in SharePoint. Somebody can go, hey, column, and it pops up, column, and they – click on it and they watch a two minute video and they know how to do this thing that they needed to know how to do. And I don't know why they need to do it. And I don't care why they need to do it. It's something about the business and the way they want to manage their world. Great. Just well, that's, and that's why I think that it, look, different people consume information in different ways. And one of the, the, the most effective methods is to, uh, to, to set up a, a multimedia, you could call it education, training, whatever you want yep. around that. But that the fact you have, so that that in, includes, and, and you could probably add to the list, but it includes like going out and building, you know, having available user guides, whether that you're pulling down from what, you know, the OEM has, like Microsoft yep. together around that, um, yep. guidance around that, make it searchable within your knowledge base, as well as and organizations that are more proactive will look and, and at uh, tickets that are opened up where people are asking yep. questions and capture that knowledge and the solution around that and make that part of an FAQs, make that yep. part of a searchable database so that people yep. can go in there and do the self-help. Now, in addition to that is having like the video content, again, that yep. you create yourself or yep. that you purchase or partner with or, you know, or, or find the, those resources that are excellent out on YouTube and, and, and just provide those links to it. It's yep. also doing on a regular basis, especially part of new employee onboarding. And I, this goes back to when you first come. You cannot assume that people yep. understand the 101, the basics right. of that. Right. You need to be able to provide that so that you don't make people feel stupid if they don't know some of those basics. Yep. Especially if people are self-taught on technologies, they may be missing huge chunks of the 101 and to provide yep. that on a regular basis. Um, and that's why most certifications, technical certifications, have like annual renewal processes to yep. make sure that you it's gets kept up. But right. then there's other tools that are out there, like um, having on a regular basis. Um, I love like the, uh, the and I've done this in different organizations where I worked for, where I you know uh, we've rewarded people for solving problems. And what was the most creative problem solved in the last month? And we put even, we make kind of a game of it. We, we track and we get people to vote on what they thought was the best 
solution if somebody solved a problem where they say, hey, this saved this much money or I built this quick solution or this is what I did for this workaround and let the community kind of rally behind each of those things. Another uh, tactic was I, that I love is doing the brown bag lunches like every Friday and have, you know, invite people from different internal teams to come and like, well, this is how we leverage SharePoint. They're not experts, but here's right. what they went and did. This is how they're leveraging this. This is how they're working across teams, pulling the information in, running this report to solve this problem. They're getting ideas, feedback on what they've built, as well as others that are like, whoa, I could do something just like that. Maybe, can you show me how you did that? And they're helping each other. I mean, you have yep. all of these different methods which are under that general bucket of education, yep. but you have ways for people to go and self-serve as well as get formal training and guidance, as well as the community help each other to build up around that. You need yeah. to have all of those pieces in place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't give people a way to be successful, they will not be successful. Right. Well, hey, I know this is, uh, we could go on for hours on this topic, but uh, I think this was a good uh, part two to our last discussion. Awesome. Always great to talk to you and uh, look forward to the next conversation. All right. We'll connect with you soon. See you, You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.